You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Sam and Steve here to break down another week or two of Yankees baseball. Sam, how you doing? How was your fourth? It's been it's been two weeks, man. It's been too long chatting with you. I know. We took a week off for the holiday. We were both away. Steve was living it up down the Jersey Shore. I was in Cape Cod. Got to see the Yankees live Saturday night at Fenway. Got to see the Red Sox walk off right in front of my face. Seven and six since we last talked, but some good times all around in life. But we're talking Yankees baseball right now, and our old friend, the Wild Pitch, <laughs> that's came right, to save the day on Wednesday night against the Cincinnati Reds, who gave me, I believe, my first two what the fuck moments of the season. I fell asleep as Michael King was coming in the game on Tuesday night, and I wake up and I text Steve, and I see Yankees batting in the bottom of the ninth inning, and I'm just like, what the hell happened? And then Wednesday night, I'm taking in some groceries, and it's one nothing on the radio, and then I check my phone after I unload the groceries, and it's 4 nothing. seeing Luis Severino give up back-to-back-to-back home runs and seeing him pulled out of the game once I turn it on. Just some wild games, and really when you stretch back to Sunday night against the Red Sox, even Saturday, although I don't really count that. That's just kind of some Fenway bad luck. That's been a house of horrors for the Yankees, but they took two of four in Fenway, split the series. But the last few nights have been absolutely crazy. Yes, yeah, Sam, I think the, the past week in general maybe has opened up some some flaws from the Yankees roster. We've seen some injuries. He's mentioned Severino leaving game after two innings. Uh, on Wednesday night, Aaron Hicks luckily avoided breaking his leg because it looked like he took a nasty foul ball off his uh, off his shin. And then, yeah, so overall, he's at 7-6 the last two weeks since we chatted. Uh, you know, we haven't had anything close to that all year when the Yankees, you know, besides the first week of the year when the Yankees were 5-5. Five and five. Every time we've been chatting, it's hey they're eight and two, seven and three, uh, you know seven and six. It kind of feels like a, a really rough week for the Yankees team. But you know as they stand, you know sixty one and twenty six in first place, double digit lead uh, on the division and the All Star break coming up. You know I think going into the All Star break, we thought we'd be going in on this huge high, and, and now given the past four or five games, it's kind of been on a little low. Like you said, the the walk off versus the Red Sox, and then the Sunday night baseball debacle. And then leading, following that into the, the the Reds' debacle of Clay Holmes having an ultimate meltdown. Three-game losing streak. You don't see those this year for the Yankees. It has people freaking out a little bit, but baseball's a long year, and you're bound to go on some of these stretches. But it does open up some flaws that I, that I think we could talk about, about the rotation, maybe overuse of the bullpen, and just you know missing holes in, in the lineup. So it's... Uh, Overall, seven and six, and we're complaining. You know, winning streaks. Every time we talk, the Yankees need to be having a, a winning week, and they still did that after thirteen games of uh, being seven and six. So it's it's that's how good this team's been. It's a historic run. You know, fourth best record uh, in franchise history it is nothing to be to be shy about. How good the Yankees have been, but there are some flaws, and we'll get into them. Let's start with the the positives, though. All star game coming up next week. Yankees got six All-Stars, 
all deserved. I think there's, there, I think you got to find a way to get Mike King in there to make it be a seventh All Star. But let's start with for the, the most surprising that the Yankees have a catcher, an All Star catcher. After years of having Gary Sanchez, who's been to the All Star game for the Yankees, they traded him away. They went light uh, on offense, and then they need to make another move. And somehow this random transaction right before opening day has turned into an all-star catcher in Jose Trevino. What an unbelievable first year of the season he's had uh, for the Yankees and, and a great moment that Aaron Boone was able to capture uh, of him telling him that he's an all-star. Just, uh, you know, that, that's what sports are made of here. And the, the fact that this guy's going to be representing the Yankees for the, for the all-star when we no one knew he existed two days before opening day is pretty remarkable. He's been a staple in the Yankees lineup hitting near the bottom and behind the plate. And I read something in the New York Post the other day. It was Joel Sherman's piece where a National League executive said to him, based on the Yankees going on this insane run in the first half of the season, why they've been able to do this. And we were always Gary Sanchez defenders, but an NL executive said to him that he thought the main reason was that they got rid of Gary Sanchez and they allowed the pitchers to flourish. And we've talked about a billion times. The Yankees went defense first at catcher and shortstop, and it has paid dividends in a big way. Who would have thought Jose Trevino would have been that reason and he would have been named to the All-Star game? He's having a, a solid season, 255 at the plate. He, he's slugging, 429 getting on base just over 30% of the time. Not the flashiest numbers, but for a catcher in Major League Baseball, really good. That's about as solid as solid gets. R- really good when you're talking about catchers, you know. And, and that was always our reason for not hating on Gary was because the offensive production there, even when he was was bad offensively, still outweighed the offensive production across the league. Because catchers can't hit for shit in Major League Baseball, so any production from Trevino was a plus. The fact that he's got seven home runs. And, you know, his batting 255 is unbelievable. But where he's really thrived, like you said about the pitching, is what he's doing behind the plate. Uh, baseball Savant has him first in Major League Baseball for catcher framing runs at eight. The next highest is five. Uh, and his strike rate is 54.3%, which is the best high, highest in baseball too. So, you know, what, what a change uh, of philosophy for the Yankees from the catching perspective of it. But it's kind of funny that this wasn't the plan. The plan was Kyle Higashioka, who is okay defensively and, and has some pop, and, and then Ben Royvold, who you know could maybe steal the starting job from him. That was the plan for the Yankees. Ben got hurt. They had to make a, a, a late move for Trevino, and they really liked his defensive there. So he, But still, the plan was Higashioka should be the main catcher, and, and Trevino would be, the, would be the backup and not really see too much playing time. This guy has pushed... Higashioka, who struggled mightily to start the year, pushed him out to the fact where he's you know completely useless now for the Yankees. They they can find anyone to be a backup catcher if they really want to get rid of Higashioka, um, and has been the, the full time starting catcher. This wasn't the Yankees' plan, and sometimes you know there you have a plan and and it fails and you get lucky and this worked out for the Yankees like this. It's pretty remarkable how how this worked, and the stats speak for themselves defensively. They really do, and the pitch framing. Like you said, has been the most eye-opening to me and how he steals a lot of strikes for this pitching staff. And it goes back to what I read in the New York Post about how having him behind the plate consistently or having 
not really anyone else, but someone like that behind the plate for this pitching staff has without a doubt allowed it to flourish. And really, you ask about a lot of what ifs, like what if Gary Sanchez was still on the team? What if the Yankees did not take this philosophy at the catching position and shortstop position? Something a lot of people at the catching position in particular, a lot of people have been clamoring for them to do for quite some time, and they did it. And it's without a doubt one of the biggest reasons they've gone on this incredible run in the first half, 62-26, and 26. 21 losses since Easter. That was April 17th. It is now July 14th. It's it's almost July. Yeah, it's July. We're almost at the midnight mark of July 14th. Here, here we are. But it's funny. It's a funny trickle back effect of all that of getting rid of Gary Sanchez. And look, there was a cost for that. You know, they they had to. They're paying a lot for Josh Donaldson, who's not really doing too much to be honest. Uh, Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is, is replaceable, even though I, you know he's, he's he is what he is. They made a lot of moves to improve the defense, which they did at all three positions, even though IFK has not been great at shortstop. They improved shortstop because it was that bad previously with, with Glaber Torres, and they weren't going into the year with Gio Urshela as, as your shortstop here. So that they, they're they paying the price for, for and out of their pocket for defense, but you're, they're the Yankees, so who the fuck cares? And, and you're getting Donaldson to have pretty good defense, even though both Donaldson and Trevino kind of cost the Yankees a win with, with the Red Sox, you know. Donaldson had that double play ball to end the Red Sox game, the game you were at, wasn't that right? So they yep. had that one there. And then in the, the Reds game too, Trevino dropped a, a double play ball that could have ended the could have possibly ended the game on the next batter uh, on, on Tuesday night. So it's it's kind of funny that how we're gonna we like to push both of them for how good they've been defensively. It just so happens to be at the time of we're recording that they, they've cost the Yankees two of the last four games. But that, that that that's baseball. But either way, congrats to Jose Trevino on uh, an excellent first half of the year. Let's see if he can keep it up for the rest of the, half of the year. But he's definitely going to enjoy that All Star appearance. Kind of the complete opposite way of him is Aaron Judge. We knew Aaron Judge is going to be an All Star no matter what. He, he's got that power for the fan vote. Led all of Major League Baseball in the fan vote, but he's earned it because he's put up an MVP type season. Even though Sam, we could say that he's struggled maybe the past few weeks here, but Judge is a a worthy MVP candidate, not just an All Star, even with his his struggles the past two weeks. He's hit a little bit of a lull. He's down to 280, but it doesn't really seem that way. He's such a threat every time he's at the plate. I saw him in right field on Saturday night. I was two rows up from the first baseline, had some great seats, and he hit that double in the 10th inning that was absolutely scorched. The way this guy is at the plate, and I know he's hit a bit of a slump in the past couple weeks, is just he makes the lineup go round. And we knew he was going to be an all-star from very, very early on. And it's about keeping him fresh. Aaron Boone said on Tuesday he wanted to get him back-to-back days off. He did come in and pinch hit. But I'm not thinking too much into this lull for him because he's going to come out and be on a tear. I think the same thing for Giancarlo Stanton, who's another all-star. So... How much are you thinking that the move to an everyday center fielder could, could have on Judge in the second half? Um, you know, he hasn't done center field for an entire season like he's doing right now. And, you know, he's definitely the Yankees center fielder every day for the past, you know, two months or so, especially now with Aaron Hicks getting hurt. He's the Yankees center fielder. 
do you see the Yankees? I think I do. I see the Yankees giving them more days off, especially as this you know 14 game lead continues here. And overall, I think that's going to get people upset. But you need to start. You need to start babying Judge if he's going to be your everyday center fielder in the the next few months. There's already a report from John Morosi out that the Yankees are interested in Michael A. Taylor from the Kansas City Royals. So that tells you all you need to know, in my opinion. Yeah, and well, do you see that like 40% of the Royals are, are on vax? So I think that, and, and Michael A. Taylor's one of them, Ben Intendi's one of them, uh, Whit Merrifield, another one. All three guys that have been linked to the Yankees over the past few years, more so the outfielders the past few weeks here. Um, I'm interested to see what, you know, if I'm Brian Cashman and I'm trading for either one of those guys, they're not putting on a uniform unless they think they get the shot because I know that the Blue Jays have, have struggled mightily the past month, but I, I'm not risking having a potent, a, someone that you plan on starting in the playoffs uh, not play in a, in a series with, with, the, with the Blue Jays. It could definitely be Yankees-Blue Jays-ALDS too when you're looking into the future and – that's definitely something to keep in mind, especially for teams in the American League. So that is a very, very interesting component because the Royals are obviously going to be sellers. <laughs> and this mandate that you can't get into the United States as a foreign resident and you can't get into Canada as a foreign resident if you're not vaccinated is definitely going to play a part into it. And the Royals, they have the most out of anyone. I know when Texas went there opening day, they had three. The Red Sox had three. <laughs> they were gassing the Yankees up to have a lot of their lineup missed. Zero. The Yankees didn't pit, put one person on the restricted list. The Phillies went there. They placed four, although some roster moves they made in the injured list definitely – impacted that but the royals have 10 of their 26-man roster not allowed in canada and for a team that is looking to sell that is without a doubt going to hurt them and john morosi's report of the yankees being interested in michael a taylor came before that news that he would not be allowed in canada for their weekend series so that's something to keep an eye on but we talked about it with Joey Gallo's struggles that have stretched the entire season. He stinks. I'm, that I'm, the I'm, Yankees. I'm, I'm over it. Uh, we're in the same boat there. <laughs> and, and but again, yeah, got that one wrong. We always thought the Yankees were going to add an outfielder. We talked about it last episode. But it might have to be someone other than Michael A. Taylor because if you're going into an ALDS against the Blue Jays, you can't have even one of your 26 back at home that would just be a killer yeah and it's going to affect the price of him like even if you do do the move and you say you, you take that risk you know you're not giving up the the ultimate package here for a guy that might not be able to to do it so something else to uh to, to keep an eye on another all-star that won't be playing in the all-star game because he's lined up to pitch uh on sunday is garrett cole we've had a lot a lot of talk about the starting rotation and how good it is for the yankees this year uh, but is it safe to say that cole has been under the radar a little bit for the Yankees uh, this season because there's been so much talk about, you know, Nasty Nestor and his unbelievable streak, uh, you know, that he's had um, with the with the Yankees. You know, Severino coming back. We had we had we talked for a good twenty minutes about how good Jameson Tyone's been and he's fell off a cliff lately too. We haven't really touched too much uh, on Garrett Cole and a real shame after eleven strikeouts versus the Reds on Tuesday 
that he didn't get the win. But overall, another ace season for Cole, but still had the hiccup of shitting the bed with the Red Sox. It is, it's an ebb and flow balance with, with Cole for, for someone that's putting up all-star numbers. I just have to proclaim it. Rafael Devers is his daddy. There's no way around it. You just have to admit it. And he hit a couple of those pitches out last Thursday. Those are good pitches. Like really those are good, good pitches, pitches for yeah. Cole. And Devers just got a hold of it. You just have to tip your cap there. But it's just been a couple of bad starts that have left a bad taste in the mouths of Yankee fans. The start at Boston, the start at Minnesota. He went eight innings against the Orioles just before Memorial Day, but he let up five earned runs. And then you have to go way back in April for his last bad start aside from that. But there's been a couple of bad starts that have inflated that ERA, and it still sits just a hair above three. But he has gotten lost in the shuffle, especially with the surge of Nestor Cortez and the bounce back after a few injury seasons from Luis Severino. So he has gotten lost in the shuffle, but when you're looking ahead, he is without a doubt the game one starter for the New York Yankees in the playoffs. There's no question about that. He's absolutely the ace of the staff. I think we take it for granted a little bit. Yes, the the, the starts he's had, the, the bad ones, that they stick out more. They're not being able to get out the second inning for Detroit. You know, even even opening day, it was it wasn't great. But then you know, getting spotted the big lead uh, last week versus the Red Sox, the the bad starts stick out. Um, and yeah, maybe some of the good starts are, are versus lesser caliber teams. But when you look at it too, though, you got to look at like three starts he had here in a row in June. You know, versus Tampa at Tampa versus Houston, he gave up two runs in those three games combined. So it, it, you know, those those three games don't get talked about. It's the games where he hasn't been lights out that do get talked about. But that's the case when you have, uh, you know, the, the highest, the biggest contract for a pitcher in MLB history. Uh, but, I, but I agree. He's a worthy all-star. Um, the NL is going to be happy that he's not going to be pitching in the all-star game, even though it's a big exhibition. Um, and I'm, I'm bummed he didn't get the win. He's 8-2 with the 3.505 ERA. Wins are meaningless for pitchers. You know, we're fine with that. That Clay Holmes debacle – could have cost him maybe a chance at 20 wins this year. Uh, 135 strikeouts. He's up there with the, with the major leagues, uh, the leaders there. Just good stuff. And, and it's fun to see him dominate. 101 miles an hour on his final pitch on Tuesday for his 11th strikeout versus the Reds. Just, just completely put them in his bag, uh, and it was fun to watch. But then, so another first-time, you know, Garrett Cole, multiple All-Star. Jair Judge, multiple All-Star. Jose Trevino, first-time All-Star. Clay Holmes, first-time All-Star. Were you nervous on Wednesday, when he when he walked the first batter and Rizzo had to come and kind of calm him down a little bit, he got out of it. Back to back shaky appearances for Clay Holmes leading into the, this. Uh, you know we still have the series with the Red Sox, but leading into this this All Star break, um, lights out all season. Do we start getting a little worried about the first time All Star Clay Holmes and, and his usage as closer? Yes, I think you do to an extent because he hasn't been used like this ever in his career. It's just something that any reasonable fan could have expected. Maybe a little bump in the road for Clay Holmes. I know every closer has that. Saturday against the Red Sox was not really a bump in the road in my eyes because he came in, he inherited runners, and that pitch to Verdugo was just an outstanding piece of hitting. Clay Holmes threw a 100-mile-an-hour sinker out of the zone, 
and Verdugo just punched it the other way. You got to give a tip of the hat right there. But Tuesday night was really bad, and I was very nervous Wednesday night when he walked that first batter and had to deal with some traffic on the base paths. But I have all the confidence in the world. He's been the most dominant reliever in Major League Baseball in the first half of the season. So unless this continues a couple of games here and after the All-Star break, I'm not really worried about that. He has been one of the best trades of the Brian Cashman era in the last crazy. Probably say last years. last several years because Cash has been around a long, long time. But it could be go down because the Yankees got him for free. They're not paying him anything. He's a ninth round pick. Um, you know, he's he's 29 years old. You know, Clay Holmes is going to be a Yankee for a long time. And there are, there are reinforcements coming for the bullpen, which might help limit the usage here. Uh, but it could be some, some awkwardness because Araldis Chapman is back in the pen. And no longer the closer that he's dominated with his entire career. You know, this is a guy that's climbing up the charts for all-time save lists. Um, and it doesn't even seem like he's the number two option. And he shouldn't be for this Yankees right now. You know, if the, if the past week since Chapman's been back has shown it, you know, he's fourth or fifth in the pecking order for Aaron Boone right now as he kind of works back from his injury. But but very interesting to, to be able to see how how Chapman fits into this bullpen the rest of the year. And if the presence of Chapman affects Holmes at all. Because that's kind of what I was thinking. Because Clay Holmes looked like Geraldus Chapman before he got hurt the past two games. Um, you know, edge of your seat, nervousness of not sure the Yankees are going to pull this out. You know, that was Chapman's MO for the past few years for the Yankees. Uh, but Clay Holmes has been the opposite of that. Of, you know, if he comes in the game, you can turn your computer off, turn your TV off. So we'll see how the Chapman's just appearance in the, in the bullpen See if that has any effect on Holmes here. But it's good to see Chapman back um, just because the Yankees are going to need arms. They're going to need, need more bullpen arms. A lot, lot of innings coming on for guys like Holmes, King. Uh, Peralta's been getting a lot of innings more too. Uh, and and more, more enforcements are coming. Johnny Loisega getting some minor league rehab. You know, Zach Britton's still possible to come back. Domingo Herman, I expect to be on the roster right after the All-Star break, right? He's been throwing a lot. He was with the team. I saw him in the dugout like four or five times today. The yes cameras picked him up a lot. So Herman's got to be right around the corner. That's what I'm thinking too. And Aroldis Chapman has been better in some, not better, but Sunday was his first true high leverage situation. He came into the tie game against the Red Sox. He loaded the bases, but he only gave up one run. And he held the Reds to a scoreless inning when the Yankees were trailing by one Wednesday night. So he's looked a little bit better. His first game back against Cleveland, he just walked the bases loaded. They used him against the Pirates both games. The Yankees were trailing 5-1 last Tuesday, and then they were up a billion runs on Wednesday. So they're definitely working him back into those high leverage situations, but he's going to be a guy that needs to step up without a doubt, especially with the innings that – Peralta, who has been fantastic. I'm not letting him fly under the radar. King and Holmes. The Yankees need that fourth guy in the bullpen. You said reinforcements on the way, and it goes all the way back to Chad Green being out for the season. Ron Maranacchio was throwing some quality innings in high-leverage situations before he went on the disabled list. Aaron Boone said he had a bit of the case of dead arm. When you're looking at the bullpen, Aroldis Chapman's a guy. He's healthy. He's on the team. He needs to be performing well and be able to perform in high leverage situations. I think this is, we're talking about one of the best closers of, of our generation here. So he, we know he can pitch. We know he's getting older, but like, like he's, he's still 
he's still going to go out there and perform um, and, and could be an asset for this team, you know, moving moving forward because the Yankees will need some, some arms uh, to go on there too. All right, so we talked Judge, talked Cole, Trevino, Holmes. Dan, forget the All-Star game, which is nice that he's there. It hasn't been announced yet. There's one spot left in the Home Run Derby. He hinted he wants it. Can we get Giancarlo Stan in the Home Run Derby here? It's going to be it's a really deep field. I like I still like the Home Run Derby. You know, Pete Alonso's going for his third in a row. Uh Stan needs to get up there and smack the shit out of the ball. It's in his native Southern California, which I think is going to play a factor. I think he's going to end up getting in there and getting some hacks. And I would not be concerned about a second half slide because in 2017 when he was in it, when he was with the Marlins and doing it in Marlins Park, that was the year he had a ridiculous 59 homers, was put on the trade block, and the rest is history. So maybe Stanton for a guy who struggled a bit as of late but still has some good numbers. He had his 23rd home run of the season Wednesday night. I think he's going to be the last guy to do it, especially with him being from SoCal. Without a doubt, I think he's going to be the last spot. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think it'd be cool. Um, he said 23 home runs. He's got 20, sorry, 11 of those home runs in the, the past, past 30 games. He goes on these streaks, gets really cold, gets really hot, which is just fun for when you're talking home run derby because you know he's going to be hot. You know he's going to smack the ball. And it's fun to see the difference. You get, you get a better view of how different he is than all other home run hitters. You're going to see some towering bombs from, you know, Pete Alonso, you know, Juan Soto's doing it. Uh, the great Albert Pujols is in there. He might be using a metal bat, and they might count home runs at any ball that passes the infield for him at this age. <laughs> um, but it's going to be – I love – because Stan is just – he's such a different hitter. It's line drives. It's absolute lasers all over the park. He's hit one out of Dodger Stadium in a real live baseball game before. So imagine what he could do with, with BP fastballs. Uh, we got to get Stan up there, and it'll be be fun to do. So I would definitely place a little a little wager uh, on him to take down the the polar bear versus the Mets. But anyway, the Mets and Yankees are both having really good seasons right now. I think this would be a nice little uh, touch if we end up with a Stan Alonzo duel in, in the Derby next week. I think so too. New York and New York, and the Yankees get the Mets a couple of weeks after the All Star break. So that'll definitely be talked about. I would love to see Stanton do it, and I think he will, being from Southern California. So buckle up. I think he will hit a couple out of Dodger Stadium if he does it. We've seen him do it in a live game, just like you said. And be fun. I'm smelling a big second-half tear from him. We'll get into that next episode, but I really am smelling a big second-half tear from Big G. And I think they're going to need it for the, the entire lineup. So I agree with you there. I think you're, you're, we're going to need more of the, the Bronx Bombers the second half because I think we're going to see a dip in, in the pitching. The pitching has been so good, it, it's only bound to, to taper off here. You kind of can already see it with Nestor Cortez Jr. He's going to the All-Star game, well-deserved. 7-3, 2.74 ERA, uh, 95 strikeouts in his 88 innings. But, you know, a guy that has never thrown this many pitches in, in his life. And, you know, could that, you know, got roughed up versus Boston his last outing. You know, got roughed up versus Tampa, you know, a couple weeks ago. He's not really gone deep, deep into games as much as we'd like to, like to see as, as he did earlier in the year. You know, in May he was going seven, eight innings every start. Now it's back to kind of old Nestor of, you know, struggling to get out of the fifth 
Um, still putting the Yankees in a spot to win the games, but the, the bullpen, I'm sorry, the rotation overall is, is going to be be stretched a little bit, I think, thin as you have you know Severino injury here. I don't think we need to talk about how terrible Jameson Tyone's been the past two weeks. Hopefully he figures it out. Cortez is going on, going, eating some innings here that he's never done before. But Nasty Nestor, I think, well, I think he might have the most fun of anybody at the All-Star game this week for, for both teams. But I hope he knows when he comes back, it's time to lock in uh, and continue his, his awesome season. He's only completed six innings in one of his last six starts. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, he's never pitched this much. I know early in the season, we saw seven, eight innings a lot of the time, but you're right. He's going to have a lot of fun at the All-Star game. He's going to be getting a lot of cameras on him, but when he comes back, if he's still on his usual grind of these last six games of not finishing the sixth inning, the Yankees are going to talk about adding a starting pitcher, which I'm sure they are already doing with the injury to Luis Severino. Jamison Tyone with an 8.57 ERA in his last four starts. So you look at Tyone and Cortez and the Severino injury. Jordan Montgomery has been nails, in my opinion. He has been. He's the, the perfect guy because you don't need to talk about him. He's just kind of boring enough and just does his job. And that's what I, that's what I like about him. Um, that's what I like about him, too. But so. when you talk about the other three guys, the Yankees will look to add a starting pitcher and. They might get a good glimpse of one on Thursday oh, when Sam, Luis you... Castillo takes the mound. I mean, we could go all into that. We're going to have a couple you of stole episodes my segue, before Sam. the trade <laughs> deadline. But the Yankees are going to get an up-close look. He's got a sub-3 ERA. He is going to cost a lot. So and s- there's going to be a lot of bidders for him. So that was literally took my, my segue away there, Sam. You're a smart man. What do you want to see happen uh, on Thursday? Luis Castillo shuts down the Yankee lineup, and you're like, holy shit, we need to get this guy in pinstripes immediately. Sell whoever, you know, give up one of the big prospects if needed, get him in the rotation. Or do you want to see him struggle a little bit and maybe lower his price and still go after him? (laughs) I would like to see him shove for seven innings and the Yankees score two runs in the eighth and win 2-1. Okay. All right, that's, that's a very fair take and a very best case scenario. That's, right? that's, that's, that's the correct way to do it. Um, look, I mean, Castillo's been on the Yankees' radar for a, a while. You know, there's rumors of you know him for Glaber situations. Okay, and, you know he struggled a lot, similar to Glaber. You know, uh, last year a little bit, and he's, he's got off to a slow start this year. It, it's interesting to look back and revisit that now because Glaber, I think, is you know basically a borderline All Star snub at this year, and Castillo's going to be the the number one pitching guy on the market right now. For, for this deadline. And the Reds should be smart and go to the highest bidder. Uh, I don't know if we see Cashman do that. They're going to want one of our shortstops. They're going to want a lot of our lower end pitching depth that we have because the Yankees do have, you know, some some frame throwers in there. Uh, it's going to be a really, really big package for him. And I don't know. Does Cashman pull that trigger? I think it's going to be Thursday is a, is a good start for Castillo to prove that he can pitch in the Bronx. So uh, I'm with you. I, I want him to pitch well. Just because I want him to pitch well, and I want Cashman to be there to be like, yeah, this is a guy we should go after. It's, it's now or never, which, as Cashman said, that's that's the every year for him. It's win a title at now or never. But this is this is where you push it in, especially if the Severino injury is you know going to put him out for a little bit. MRI scheduled today for for that right right shoulder. 
Um, it makes sense to shut him down for a few weeks, no matter what, given his injury history. Uh, so, and that's going to put even more pressure on guys like Domingo Roman, who could slot right into that rotation spot post All Star break. But it'd be nice to see Castillo be that guy. Like you said, the price is going to be steep. You see a lot of these guys on the Yankees list. One of the shortstops, they're definitely going to ask for Volpe and or Dominguez, without a doubt. I know Dominguez is in the outfield, but he's long been lauded as quote unquote the Martian. It's going to be very interesting to see what the price is for him. And there's going to be a lot of suitors. Definitely the Dodgers, the Red Sox. There's going to be everyone in baseball is going to be after this guy. And one of these teams is going to part with prospects of a high, high caliber to get him. Will it be the Yankees? They've been cautious in the past for Sonny Gray. They had a hard no on Esteban Floreal. For Garrett Cole, they had a hard no on Miguel Duhar. It's not like it, it hasn't really worked out too well for the Yankees on these hard no's. Um, I think you know Volpe is going to be going to be a hard no, but they need a shortstop. So are you going to start the package with Oswald Peraza and what a couple? You know, Everson Pereira, the other outfielder there. You know, Luis Medea. You know, those are the three guys that I think that the Yankees build their package around. And those are big guys like that the Yankees really like in their system. And, and that might not be enough. That's the thing. You can put those guys in there right now. Peraza's two. Uh, Everson's 10. And Medea is 11 on the, uh, the their prospect list. You know, they're going to need to throw in another one. There, there could be – this could be a five-for-one type deal. Five prospects to get you your starting pitcher. Um, and if – if Cashman doesn't do it this year, then he's never going to do it again in his his Yankee tenure, and it is what it is. He's going to continue to to do that. But if uh, Volpe is going to be your shortstop, possibly as early as next year, then then Peraza, if you're not calling him up now to take IFK spot, then you might as well move him. You know, unless you know you're moving him to third next year and you're moving Donaldson or something like that. You know, you, you can't have two guys play short. Yeah, and, and maybe the Yankees go for one of their outfielders, like a five for two. I'm thinking about. So it's going to be interesting. Is there an outfielder on the Reds that interests us? Because that would be kind of a good way to go two yeah. birds with one stone. So yeah, it could be a uh, you know Tommy Fan or something like that. You know, more of an older guy kind of rental situation here. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways here. It, it, it's find it interesting that they're the Reds who are in town what once every four years, once every eight years. Um, are coming in at a time where the Yankees are taking a look at this roster and looking at, at upgrades that they need. So something for sure, to sh- for sure to keep an eye on. Sam, before my my lungs come through my my chest here, let's let's talk a little bit about the Red Sox series uh, and then and then wrap this bad boy up for the All Star break. Um, Yankees still huge. Every time you play the Red Sox, it seems like it's it's life or death here. Even with the huge lead here, you know you you got the sense after winning the first two. <clears throat> that the Yankees could put the Red Sox away for good. Um, and then the Red Sox come back and, and win two, and you have to split of four, and you give them a little bit of hope. Everybody's talking about back in the day, the 70s and Bucky Dent, the Yankees were you know down 14 games to the Red Sox, and, and it's never over till it's over type shit. But I want the Yankees to go out there these next few games and, and take care of the Red Sox. The Red Sox are not a good team. Their pitching stinks. Chris Sale's coming back, but how, how effective can he be with that rotation that is depleted so as the Yankees sit at 62 wins and their goal should just be collecting wins 
I bury the Red Sox, please. Even though that every half the teams make the playoffs now, and we're likely going to end up playing the Red Sox at some point in the playoffs, I, I want to see a, a big, a big series putting them down before the All Star break. I know, as do I. I, I want to sweep, but Fenway has been a house of horrors for the New York Yankees. In the last several years, I was telling my family when I was going to the game Saturday, 2018, that four game sweep ruined the Yankees. They had a sweep last year in late June that was absolutely horrible. And then they blew that five run lead in the seventh inning in late July of last year when they could have had three or four, but ended up splitting. It felt like they got swept in the entire series. So. Fenway's been a house of horrors, and especially in the summertime, and the Yankees were able to get out of there with a split, although it should have been three of four, maybe a sweep. That, that easily could have been a sweep for the Yankees. It, it, it is what it is. I'm just happy they were not swept, the Yankees. I know they won big Friday, but that Devers game Thursday really scared the shit out of me, and... <clears throat> Going into the series, I would have signed up for a split, but it, it definitely could have been more, like you said. Yeah, so 15 and a half games up on the Sox right now, who are five games over 500. It just feels like it would be a great put your flag in the ground for an unbelievable historic season, first half of a season for the Yankees, if they could figure that off and, and sweep the Red Sox at home uh, the, these next three games here. And it's going to end with, you know, sales back. Sale pitched on Tuesday. He pitched pretty well, five, you know, five innings. No runs versus the the Rays here, and he's going to line up against Garrett Cole. So like this this is it. The the talk it's annoying because the Yankees will have a 15 game lead in the division. The talk around All Star Game will be very different if the Yankees get swept by the Red Sox. About it'll be more about the Red Sox getting hot at the right time. Chris Sale's back. Look out for the Red Sox in the second half. When the, if the Yankees can win two of three here, it kind of halts those talks. So I think it's important. I think it's an important series, even for a team that has this big of a lead. Um, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Sam, Red last Sox got- just had a brutal series in St. Petersburg. I mean, Talk, they yeah, had they did. a brutal series. They were up in a couple of these games. Defensive woes. I mean, everything went wrong. And, and they have an off day before going to see uh, – the Yankees, or is that a... no? They don't. They 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 play they play on Thursday. They got so, it's a four game series for for them. So they they could get swept in the, in the trop would be uh, and then coming into Yankee Stadium will be uh, a, a, a killer. If you get swept by the Rays down at the trop and then you lose two of three of the Yankees, um, you know that's a real damper for a division that's so tight. I mean, and you got to talk about the Orioles. The Orioles are right there too. The Orioles are only two games back. Of the Red Sox, winners of ten straight, the Baltimore Orioles. We the were on this train early too about them. We yeah, were you on were. this train you early. Were. You did. You mentioned that they had a good lineup. They had some good stuff there, and, and it was something to keep an eye out. Remember, I was talking about the Yankees not being able. You know that you know they they haven't been tested. They don't play anybody. Look at this division. This division is the best division in baseball because of what the Orioles are doing now too. They, they have everybody in the AL East is above five hundred, and the Yankees are obviously the best team in baseball right now. But it, it's. The Tampa Bay Rays in second, 14 games back of the Yankees, eight games over 500, and the Orioles in dead last, only three and a half games back. It's remarkable. Remarkable stuff. You look at the whole division, it is the AL beast, as we always say. The Red Sox are 0-10-1 in series against the division, and they're 47-42. and 
the games against <laughs> the Yankees. That's an incredible stat. Because the Yankees got shit on for the past three years of not being able to do their job in the AL East. Um, I did not know the Red Sox haven't won a series yet. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the Blue Jays lost. They, they've lost, like, what? They, they I think they've lost 11 of the last 15, and they fired their manager. This was a team that was supposed to be going to the World Series. This was, they're making movies about this, Vlad said. Um, this division's insane. And, and the Yankees are doing all of that and putting up historic numbers in a division that's pretty crazy. And they're you're up gonna 14 like, games. Up 14, that's crazy. And you're likely going to see three of these teams at the wildcard spots. It could be four teams in this division going to the, the playoffs, um, which is, is just insane to think about. And you know those division games are tough. You know, I personally would like to not see four of these teams in the playoffs. You know, um, we need to – we start becoming, you know, Guardians fans uh, and, and Mariners fans so they can steal a spot and keep one of these teams out because I would much rather that. I would too. But yeah, that, I That's the race we're watching. Be... We're not watching the AL East race. We're watching the wild card race to see what other teams are coming in to, to play us. You know, we can't I am play... going to be cheering for the Orioles in every game they don't play the Yankees. I will say that. I mean, they are a fun, fun story with, with them. Ten in a row, that's wild. The last several years. Ten in a row, and it's not even men versus bad teams. They're, they're, they, you know, they're, they, they've they had the Cubs and Angels here, but they – okay, never mind. They've been men versus bad teams. But <laughs> it still wins. It still wins for, for the Orioles, um, and, and it'll be fun to watch for the Yankees. But it's going to wrap up. Our first half of the year, and then when we come back after the All-Star break, we'll talk about what the Yankees need to do in the second half of the year to to win 110 games, to win 120 games, to win a World Series, and, and all that fun stuff here. But four games left before the before the, the All-Star game here. We, Yankees need three of those wins at least, um, and, and, and you know that would put them at 66 wins at the All-Star break. No, sorry, that would put them at 65 wins at the All-Star break, which is... We could never have dreamed of that on episode one this season, Sam. You're right. And that would put them at their high water mark, which they entered Saturday at, of 38 games above 500. So let's do it. Let's do it. Get uh, this last one against the Reds and get two or three against the Sox. And we'll be back next week for a little bit of a second half preview. Some trade candidates who we want to see and all that season, good maybe. stuff. I love trade season. It's going to be uh, the deadline is August 3rd. So we'll get two or three episodes in before the deadline here. And the rumors will be flying. And the rumors are already flying. So we'll have plenty to talk about in the second half of the year, even if the Yankees are putting away this division. But as always, thanks for listening to an episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes on the Gotham Sports Network. And we will see you guys next week. See you later, Sam. See you later, Steve. Go Yanks. 